0: Hello, pod people. So it's uh, another crappy podcast where I'm by myself in my car, and uh, um, apparently people like this. Um, I guess uh, one of the things that I wanted to start off with was uh, I'm trying to convey some information. One of the things that I, I've mentioned repeatedly in a lot of my more recent presentations and and while um, visiting with a lot of the bigs in permaculture during this, this trip uh, now that's now over, um, is that Jocelyn sent me a link at one point about a webpage that really piqued my interest. And on this webpage, this guy, uh, I, I, I can't remember his name, I wish I could, but uh, this, this guy... Got one of those contraptions from you know a hospital or medical supply or whatever. But if you see it all, you see it in movies all the time when they try and tell you like whether they're this person's a vegetable or whether they're alive or brain dead or whatever. And and what you do is you stick these little pads all over their head and it can kind of measure brain waves. So this guy had this idea that that he's going to uh, uh, hook this up and. Uh, uh, his own head, and then he's going to eat a bunch of different foods, and he's going to find out which food makes him smart, and he wants to be able to improve his IQ through good diet. Um, And the thing is, is that I I know that in this podcast, I've mentioned that I believe that the the healthiest food for you at an organic grocery store is going to be the grass-fed beef, because that's the only food where the animals uh, consuming from a polyculture. And, and even the vegetables in the vegetable section don't come from a polyculture. They come from monocrops. And so this would be the only food you could buy in the store that that's uh, anywhere close to the way nature intended. Um, and, and so then these animals are eating from uh, um, polyculture where the land has not been um, plowed and uh, it's, it's a no-till environment. So... Um, the great news is is that this guy uh, came to the conclusion after running for years, trying hundreds of different foods, that the thing that makes you the sharpest is uh, the the fat from uh, grass-fed beef or polyculture-fed beef, um, and uh, he's got a long list of foods. what's what's better? What's not so good? And 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 it does seem to be mostly paleo but it's a little bit richer than that and uh, I think I think the website's called something like bulletproof executive and I and I have to admit I haven't read it all he's got a book he's got podcasts he's got all kinds of stuff and I've I have just barely scratched the surface of that site Um, and as interesting as it is I've just been trying to do way too much preparation for the tour and then being on the tour itself and, and so many other things happening so um, I, I haven't uh, taken as much time as I probably should to really look it through. Um, I know a lot of people have been really concerned about my excess weight, and um, basically my my feeling on it then is, uh, is that uh, in my youth I would uh, uh, try and lose weight and stuff like that. But I, I also know that when I was on the farm, I, I just lost weight and got into shape because there were just so much projects I just. Had to do, and and I lost uh, I lost weight, so I just kind of feel like yeah. As soon as I get land again, I'll I'll lose weight. Um, and anyway, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I I did think that an uh, interesting thing about this guy, this this bulletproof executive guy, uh, is that and not you know mostly I like the the, uh, the experimentation that he did. I I love experimentation. I love really good experimentation and and I and I really enjoy how he went about it because I know that my my personal life um, a lot of my food choices are based on what helps me to concentrate and get things done and I know that I eliminate dairy I love dairy and if I eat if I eat dairy that uh, I I really enjoy it but then um, before eating dairy television when I look at television I kind of think who watches this crap this is stupid and then I eat dairy, and I and, and my position changes to. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I, I I I don't get very much done when I consume dairy. It's not like uh, I imagine. I, I do think that there have been times where I've enjoyed so much dairy that uh, my energy became unhappy. But and I guess a person could call that lactose intolerance. But I I think it's probably more like. Um, uh, you know, fucked up dairy intolerance, and you know, whatever it is that they've they've done to it is what I don't tolerate. On this trip, we we have had uh, two or three occasions where we have partaken of raw milk, and I don't recall uh, being less productive because of it. Um, and uh, so I, you know, it's, it's not an overall endorsement, but I do think that there's a lot to be said for raw milk. Um, Back to the Bulletproof executive guy. Uh, Not only did he find ways, find out which foods it was that would improve his cognitive ability, but along the way of trying to consume more foods that would improve his cognitive ability, he accidentally lost 100 pounds. So, uh, and that's without any exercise or anything like that. And uh, he believes he also added uh, muscle without exercise which I, I know that's a little pie in the sky, but it's like, you know, skip that. Focus on the part where you have better cognitive ability. Um, and uh, uh, I think, you know, with better cognitive ability probably comes just better general health. Uh, so I, I just wanted to make sure that I got that mentioned because it, it does seem like a very a very fascinating, very interesting thing. And, and oh, and that, that was the other thing, too, is, is when you look at his results, it seems like foods that are organic did better than foods that are not or gmo foods but the foods that really worked well were the foods that were well beyond organic so then the grass-fed is not just organic but that's polyculture food and uh so i'm i kind of like the idea of like boy can we get this guy some polyculture carrots or something um and that's speaking of polyculture carrots. Uh, that was that was something when I was uh, visiting with Michael Billington, the land manager over at the place of gathering, where where uh, Seth Holzer came and put in his uh, bed, beds uh, and whatnot. Um, he was saying something about I can't remember if I mentioned this in the previous podcast. So I don't think I did. He, he mentioned something about I don't think I can I can sell these carrots. I I can't if I go to the farmers market then uh, the, the people will see these carrots, and they don't, they don't compare. And, uh, and just kind of feeling the same about a lot of the produce. And one thing is is that I think that, um, you know, when you get to year two or year three with this Hugo culture, probably even just next year, that I think a lot of the produce that's going to be coming out of that is going to be vastly superior in size and, uh, and in quality. Whereas this first year, it's like everything's kind of got to get established. The mycelium isn't really set up in the soil yet. So um, uh, I think uh, uh, what you've got, in fact, I was kind of thinking this as I'm driving down the road, it seems like a, a good thing to push is um, what if what if you had a term. I, I came up with something called ZIPs, uh, zero irrigation. and um, and now I can't remember what the P <laughs> the P stands for, but uh, maybe polyculture system. Um, uh, but but yeah, b- uh, you know, basically uh, push a, a polyculture food. This is you know, and I think uh, I think it, it's going to be more nutrient dense and, and just have more flavor. I know that like when I talked to Helen Antal, she was talking about some place where they uh, at a farmers market they said uh, zero irrigation. And um, uh, Helen Atow then bought the stuff with zero irrigation because it's better flavor, and um, uh, and then you know with better flavor generally comes better nutrition also. So um, I think that that's a, a, a great marketing angle, uh, and and then I I also think uh, um, oh right it had something to do with uh, um, shelf life. Um, uh, oh poor shelf life. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> Zero irrigation, poor shelf life, meaning that uh, bacteria and whatnot uh, see this food as food and will try to consume it quickly, thus making it have poor shelf life. Uh, and, and then the poor shelf life food is the food that's got the best nutrition. Therefore, it's going to be uh, more difficult to provide and more difficult to get to the consumer um, and as part of that, is, is going to be, a, I believe, greater value. Um, so I, I tried to uh, express to Michael how uh, he was actually sitting on a gold mine. And, and it, you know, it, it, was a, it was a long discussion. But there's going to be a lot of food at the place of gathering that is going to, um, I believe, not be consumed this year. So it's going to just stay there in the soil and refertilize those culture beds, which is kind of unfortunate because I've gone to a lot of places that are farms and it's like they don't have, they're not growing as much food as what was, what's going to be left there and and not consumed because they're, they're trying to get up to speed on a variety of things and there's just not enough people. And I, and I don't, I don't get the impression that, um, uh, there's going to be, um, more people there. Um, I, I I kind of get the impression that the the woman that owns the land, Katerina, who, who set up the whole sub event, uh, she's she's getting weary of the uh, the train station effect that's coming through her land, and and would just like to have some peace. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, uh, so I don't know. so much. Wow, what a what a packed. packed trip. I'm gonna be busy uploading videos for a long time. Saw saw probably the best piece of land I've seen so far. Uh we're gonna here in Montana. We're gonna go look at it uh some more the day after tomorrow. Today was supposed to be my day off, uh to after the trip to try and uh relax and recuperate. But um I'm. Uh, it's already an insane day as I'm trying to move my vehicle uh, back to my house uh, after the trip, and and then uh, I've got a meeting at 1:30 with the the staff at Permies. Um, but I think on uh, on Tuesday we're going to try and, and go and and walk this land. It's got like 1,400 feet of uh, elevation difference from the lowest point to the highest point. Um, a lot of rock. 420 acres. A lot of a lot of cliff face, uh, a lot of uh, gravel, a lot of uh, scree, um, and, and so, uh, you know, probably only half of it is going to be uh, stuff that you can grow stuff on, and it already has a, a, a fair number of trees growing on it. It's been logged. The nearby land has far more trees. So it's, it's, it's land that's been logged, um, which is okay. But the, the good news is is that we see lots of weeds there. Uh, so that, That's an indicator that they haven't been spraying, which most of the property that we've been seeing, it's like they, they totally hose it down. Um, a lot of the properties that we're finding that are available, they've sprayed it so much that hardly anything will grow there now other than grass. And And so they're like, oh, well, that kind of screwed up this thing where we were going to, Grow trees here, and now they won't grow. So, um, uh, and then, and then they're all mystified why all the trees around here have bugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, um, anyway, close to getting land, uh, the Kickstarter. That's right. I, I remember that I uh, mentioned in previous podcast, "Hey, we're going to do a Kickstarter." By the time you hear this, you should get a Kickstarter. I should be able to go to the Kickstarter. And I've been having people email me like, "Where's the Kickstarter? I want to." I want to you know, be in on it <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm glad there's people that want to be in on my Kickstarter uh, at the same time we found out that Kickstarter doesn't allow you to do a Kickstarter for real estate and so it's like oh well damn uh, so what I'm going to try and do is uh, put together uh, a series of Kickstarters uh, for different DVDs that I'll make um, I think that that's going to be the, the, the path to travel, we'll, we'll see how it goes Um, And hopefully in the next three or four days, I'll get something put together in that space. Um, And at the the same time, I've got to pump up a lot of of, uh, YouTube videos just to kind of get people to um, become aware of uh, of all the amazing uh, uh, stuff I've just seen. So, uh, looking at land, um, and, it, and, you know, it was something where it's like I've got a certain amount set aside for land, and looking at this, it's like I don't have that much. So, uh, um, you know, it's, I'm either going to have to enter into a mortgage situation or I'm going to have to, you know, uh, do, do, uh, do some Kickstarters and, and uh, uh, reduce the risk and whatnot. Um, all right. Over the last several months, I've made uh, a lot of references of podcast 111, um, and that's the only podcast where later somebody said I loved it so much. Here is money, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, and speaking of money, I, I've, I've been looking into um, Popmoney and Dwolla as um, ways to shift funds around. i you know, of course, we all use PayPal, and um, I, I use PayPal all the time. Uh, but, of course, PayPal is heavily tied into the credit card companies, and so PayPal takes a cut no matter what. Uh, I like the idea of moving away from that. And so I'm, I, I've got a Dwolla account and a PopMoney account, and i um, going to try and uh, uh, see if I can get those working better. But anyway, in Podcast 111, I, I made the point that uh, if, you know, why, why are our permaculture greats? So cranky. And I put forth the idea that they are actually kind, gentle, loving, patient people who started off sharing their ideas for free and then of course, you know, the, the general public, the common human beings see it and the first thing out of their mouth is, that's stupid. And then our, our greats patiently explain um, their ideas and persuade the person to understand why and how and whatever. And, uh, and then after 20,000 people, they're um, not so kind. And I've come up with an alternative idea, and that is the idea that um, kind of the inverse. Like let's say there's 1,000 great, brilliant people, and um, uh, the uh, 999 of them, uh, at some point along, when they're told that's stupid, they either believe that that's stupid and then therefore stop, or they um, uh, wait until person number 300 or so says that's stupid. Or, or you know, the other thing is is that if you try to share your information, then, then it is a form of arrogance, and then they're convinced that being arrogant is not good, so then they stop. Or... Or uh, they encounter the kind of the levels of nasty that I get, uh, which is um, you know people just saying really ugly, hateful things. Jocelyn has pointed out that uh, one of her favorite bloggers is the gluten Free Girl, and the gluten-free girl has um, blogged about the haters, people sending uh, something about like like her like the gluten-free girl's child has a deformity, and then people will write to her hateful things about her child. Uh, and uh, and it's like you know, there's also people who love the gluten-free girl and write lovely, wonderful, awesome things. She's got a big audience. And then there's people that you know just send horrible, nasty, evil things. Uh, a friend of mine, Kathy Sierra, made uh, international news when somebody sent her hateful things, and she decided to not attend a conference because it was just so disturbing. Um, I think Ali Brosh, who does that, uh, uh, wonderful thing, uh, called hyperbole and a half of just fun, fun little things. I don't know. She's her, her last blog entry for the last eight months or so has been about depression. I kind of wonder how much hate mail she gets. Uh, and then there's that, that, uh, funny little, uh, YouTube thing that's, uh, called thank you haters. Uh, and I just really enjoy that. Uh, um, and uh, it's, it's amazing how much of that you get, and I think, so my, my point is, is that I wonder, as an alternative theory, if we have a thousand uh, genius people trying to push things through, and then 999 of them fall to the haters, and it's like, um, you know, they, they get to the, ha- they, the, the haters uh, at some point in time, they just, like, I just don't want to be hated anymore. Uh yeah, the love is nice and everything, but I don't want to be hated anymore. So they give up. They let it go. Um and I love what uh Jeff Lawton said in a previous podcast where uh he said, um G- and so Jeff Lawton as a Muslim, he's a Muslim and he said Jesus Christ was killed by his detractors uh which which uh, I think is a very powerful statement coming from a Muslim. Uh so it's, it's, it's kind of like, so this is my other theory is that the only, the reason why we've got, why our, our permaculture grapes are kind of, you know, cranky or famous for being cranky uh, is that um, they're the ones that, that you know, could, could make that stand, could, could endure the hate, could uh, move past the hate. So um, uh, it's just a theory. Just a theory, uh, and, and and so maybe it's a little of column A that um, you know they started off lovely. Uh, maybe it's a little of column B. They're they are uh, they're just you know durable people, and and the the kind and gentle people. Um, just uh, a never had the arrogance to be able to share, which is a theory of mine that. Whenever uh, you turn on a podcast recording device, you need to have a certain level of arrogance to be able to say, other people give a damn about what I say. Uh, I think the same is true if you write a blog, write, you know, write anything on Facebook. I mean, if you post anything anywhere, doesn't that take a little bit of arrogance to be able to say that anybody else gives a shit um, about what I have to say? So I, I think, you know, there's different levels of arrogance. Some people are going to be more arrogant than others. I'm, I'm sure that I'm probably the, the king uh, in many ways. Uh, and so I, I make the rest of you look good. <laughs> I make the rest of you look humble and sweet and kind. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that it can be a, a variety of things. I think it, it does. I mean, I, I think that Ivan was initially a little, a little shocked. Uh, to see uh, some of the comments that we would get back and, uh, and then I explained to them that it's like, yeah, that's part of it but hey, take a look at all the people that loved it you, know, you, you got to see the people that really, really loved it and it was uh, the people that hated it that said, sent an email and uh, you know, wrote all the hate in the email so I, I, yeah, I, think, I think that um, I'm, I'm kind of used to flushing a lot of the hate down, down the toilet And uh, and figuring like, well, that's that's not my audience. People that hate me, that's not my audience. That's not who I try to appeal to. So I'm going to try and put together two DVDs, and I'm going to try and put together Kickstarters for them. Um, And and, you know, this is another thing too, is is that uh, I've I went and I visited with a lot of authors. And a lot of creators of content, uh, video as well as books, and um, it's kind of like uh, uh, a lot of them are saying, "No, I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna put this stuff together anymore." Um, I one of them uh, was saying to me like that they that that to put together one of their books uh, that they spent twenty thousand dollars because it's kind of like. You got to get it laid out well. You got to make sure that you have all the photography. Some people need to get paid for the photography, and it's like there's there's usually like seven or eight people involved in putting together a really good book. And and then on top of that, you want to do all your fact checking and your tests and in order to get a to get a good book out there where what you're saying is indeed accurate. So then uh, this this author was saying twenty thousand dollars is what was spent, and then it's like right now with piracy the way it is. That they'll put out the book, it'll be pirated within a day or two, and then sales will immediately drop. And and this and, and one of the authors was saying like one like this author's got two books out, one's been pirated and one has not yet been pirated. And the moment it was pirated, they watched the sales drop by a factor of like ninety five percent. And so um, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, of course, the people that are stealing it and giving it away, they're saying, oh, this is what's good for you. And, and it's like, wow, look at this. No, it's it's turning out to be not good. I mean, all, you know, it, and a lot of the information is available for free on the Internet and free at your libraries, but people still feel the need to, to steal it and make it available for free to others. So um, it's it's kind of like something where uh, um they're 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 saying no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put out a book. Um, and at the same time, I look at things on Kickstarter and look at what's getting funded on Kickstarter, and it's just it's it's just amazing how much money will be put together for a project. And so then I kind of think maybe maybe in 2012 the idea of a writer going out and and writing a book and paying and taking the risk. Um, can be mitigated. Uh, maybe, maybe in 2012, this is the way it's done: is that we do it the opposite way, where what we do is say uh, do a Kickstarter for your book, and and then you get your uh, 20 grand, uh, and that's and, and, and that's you know you're gonna pre-sell the book to, to 20,000 dollars. Like with 20 bucks a book, you get a thousand people who say that they they want to buy the book. And then um, after that, then, then go ahead and, and, and write the book. And at the very least, you've broken even. And then, you know, of course, the moment that the book is published, then it'll get ripped off. But maybe the thing is, is that, uh, you know, everything after that is, is, is cake, right? Because that was part of the concern is, like, for one of the books that one of the authors wrote, is like, okay, I laid out the twenty grand, put the book out, and it took four years until that money came back. And um, because you don't get very much money per book when you're paying for all the printing and all that stuff during the sales, also. So like just just in the stuff before without actually printing the book is 20 grand, and then the actual printing of the book is more still. Anyway, stuff like that. So yeah, I I, I kind of wonder if maybe Kickstarter might be the way. Then my next my next thought is, of course, uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm I'm thinking about compiling two DVDs. And and granted, uh, you know my my the video quality of stuff I put together. So so I I think that my CFL video had pretty good quality. I spent a lot of time editing it and a lot of time, you know, being careful about how to how to take the uh, the imagery and everything. And um, I want to put together. In fact, by the time this podcast comes out, I hope that my first DVD Kickstarter is started. Um, and, and that's going to be uh, a lemon tree in Montana. And this is where I'm going to take uh, steps, techniques and a variety of my own theories and combine them to be able to grow um, oh a dozen or so lemon trees in Montana. Um, so I, I hope uh, to, to make a video. And of course it's going to take a few years because my techniques all involve starting uh, from seed. You know, and, and that's another thing too, Is as I'm getting started on this land, um, I'm, I'm beginning to think uh, okay, it's going to be time. I need to start pulling together seed for all the things I want to do. And um, the stuff I want to, you know, and of course I want permaculture seeds. Oh, and at one of the places I was at they had like uh, acorns with very low tannins and they didn't have pigs, which seems kind of weird to me. But uh, they're going to get pigs next year. But I kind of thought, well, you know, I'd really like to find a source out there and and I, I, maybe if there's a source somebody could send me an email. I know I normally say don't send me an email. In fact, what's better, post the source at Hermes and then email me the Hermes link. That would be awesome. And so I'd like to find sources of, um, like, acorns. I know that Oikos Nursery used to sell acorns, but I can't see that they do anymore. But if anybody knows if they do or somebody that does that where it's like, yes, we have, like, a uh, hundred different oak trees. And here's, like, uh, um, acorns from our ten with the lowest tannin. Boy, that would be that would be awesome because I I really I really want to do a lot of oak trees and I want to do a lot of black locust um, and so I, and I like the idea of like uh, finding different attributes of black locust. Um, another one is is like I'd like to get I'd like to get seeds from mulberry trees where it's like these mulberry trees are uh, the most productive, like massively productive. Oh, crazy productive. And these seeds came from those mulberry trees. And I'd like to be able to get seeds from lemon trees, like the Meyer lemons. The Meyer lemons, which uh, can tolerate temperatures down to uh, 18 degrees. And, of course, here in Montana, we can see 30 below. But I'm going to uh, try to mitigate that outdoors. Uh, and and um, I want to be able uh, uh, to raise about doors but I think the thing is I'd love to start with the seeds from Meyer lemons so for those of you that are raising Meyer lemons I would very much like to get seeds from you um, and and uh, uh, my my uh, my address is always at the bottom of all of my dailyish emails I want to just assume that you all get my dailyish email and um, uh, it's a kind of a requirement that they have with my dailyish email provider that they have to post my um, snail mail address on that. So uh, that's how I get gifts. <laughs> and uh, Oh, and I should say, speaking of gifts, I, uh, not, I, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast that when I was uh, – uh, I had people bring me pastries and pies, and that was awesome. But I, I have to admit that over uh, the next few months, I am going to try very hard to uh, do some personal experimentation with uh, the, the, um, the things that that guy did and the Bulletproof Executive and, and try to eat food that's aligned with what he's saying, which, which does include some things that I don't normally eat. But um, I'm, very, I'm just so powerfully curious at how well it works for me to be able to have greater levels of concentration and whatnot, um, that I want to do that. um, And so that would be not including pie. And um, uh, I did do, before the the trip started, um, I started doing a little bit of it. um, And uh, some days I was doing, uh, following it more closely than others, as I'm trying to, like, shift my food stores to be more bulletproof executive-ish, I guess. Uh and I and I did lose uh something like more than twenty pounds. Um, you know, without any without any exercise. So I, I you know, who knows uh, how effective it is. Uh I on a guy that's as giant as I am, twenty pounds is a blip, you can't really tell. But um, I do know that my overalls seem to have uh, gotten a little roomier. <laughs> um all right. I had uh, somebody posting out to the forums of Permies, Uh I think it's for this upcoming uh, event uh, for the Rock and Theater Workshop, which is probably sold out by the time uh, this podcast goes out. Um, I, last I heard, it was almost sold out, like there's only a couple tickets left. Um, hey, but maybe if you offer them double the price, maybe they'll switch you in. <laughs> but anyway, uh, somebody had posted to say... That it was wrong to uh, ask for money for uh, a workshop, and my response to that, and I posted that there was that, like, you know, if you want to go and make a uh, and teach rocket mass Theater workshops for free, travel the world, teach what rocket mass Theater workshops for free, then by all means go do it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, those people that uh, are going to, you know, try and uh, either make a buck or, you know, break even. And I know, I, I know that Ernie and Erica have in the past uh, taught workshops where they ran in the red. Um, and it's like rather than canceling, they, they said, we said we'd be there, and we honor our word. We're going to be there. There's only four students. That's fine. We'll, we said we'd be there. We're going to do it. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know I, I, I think that uh, uh, It's good to want It's fine to want things It's fine to want That you're going to be able to take a Rocket Mass workshop for free Go ahead and want that uh, No problem there But to expect it To expect somebody who has devoted 10 years of their life um, You know, building this technology To just uh, drive over to your house and teach you one-on-one how to do this over a weekend and get paid nothing for it and then they have to supply all their own fuel and all their own food. I mean, I think that's pretty fucked up. Um, I think it's, you know, yeah, there could be people that uh, are your friends that's like, okay, I'm going to come over, I'm going to help you learn this because you're my friend. Sure, that's great. But to help a, a, a total stranger, to expect that a total stranger helps you in this way, while there's like 100,000 people that want it, it's kind of like um, there's no way. There's no way earning Erica can go and help 100,000 people one at a time for free. Um, there's just it, It's just not possible. And uh, on top of that, it's like, you know, they've got a you know, and, and here's the other thing too I hope they get fucking stinking rich I hope that they get like a uh, million dollars a year because of all the work that they've done in the past to try and get this and all the sacrifices they've made all the people they taught for free and it was while uh, uh, Ernie was doing a workshop for free helping somebody build cop stuff that a car just left Into the work area. I mean, there they are. Somebody's, like, backyard or something, and a car just came through the fence, and Ernie pushed somebody else out of the way and tried to leap to his own safety, and the car snagged his foot and totally mangled his foot. And now his foot is, like, toast. And he's been through years and years of surgeries and all kinds of stuff. And this is him trying to do it for free, so it's kind of like uh, uh, I think Arnie and Erica have done their time doing the free thing, and they've and they've uh, earned their street cred, and uh, now they are the pros at something that is awesome and amazing. I hope they get a million dollars, you know, from their efforts. Uh, and so to hear somebody say, hey asking for money is wrong I, I'm i sorry if, if it's wrong then wrong is what I want to be wrong is where I'm at um, so I basically told this person I don't appreciate somebody trying to shame people for trying to make a living doing this stuff and that if he does it again I'll ban him I uh, put a shout out to ask for uh, an assistant and I said it would be a paid position um and uh uh and this is something where uh, I've had a lot of people who offered to help and then when I try and tell them the things that I do every day, uh, they quit. Uh it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work and it's and it's a lot of really boring work and um and it's a lot of work in areas that's kinda like uh, you know, if you're gonna go and 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 live a a rich permaculture life it's like boy I I really don't want to do that Um, so it's it's kind of like I I guess I still have an opening and I'm going to have to when I get home I'm going to have to try and and figure out what to do Uh, this assistant lasted two weeks Um, and it's it's unfortunate because this assistant uh, had a lot of good SEO knowledge and and, uh, also made some great suggestions and found some places where uh it's like i might be able to get onto some speaking networks and be able to to go and and go to like a town and and maybe have like five speaking gigs in one town and and be able to like really infect a lot of brains with my stuff um and maybe even get paid for it uh and i was thinking like man that that could be a a very cool thing um but anyway, he, he was he was really digging up some things and introducing, coming up with some stuff that was very creative that I thought of. I was really excited about this guy. But I guess he got fried quickly or something, and he's gone. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I try to explain to the people that are like listening to the podcast, like you know, how to help. How to? What are things to do? And and in fact, when I first started making the podcast, it was with the idea that um, uh, other people were going to step in and do these things. And then the moment I started making the podcast, I stopped doing those things because the the people said they were going to do them. And then I went and I looked at my stats, and I saw that my stats instantly dropped. I mean, like everything went downhill after I stopped doing what I normally do day to day. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, maybe not everybody's cup of tea. It's a lot of work to do all this stuff that, you know, and, and not only that, it's a lot of work to collect the video, to collect the podcast information, collect the information, validate the information, qualify the information. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it sounds easier. It looks easier or whatever. And, uh, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, and a lot of it is really boring dull work, and a lot of it is where you're dealing with people, and people are all human, and they're going to uh, uh, want to communicate in ways that don't seem efficient, and it uh, takes time. Uh, and and so it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, but I, I guess, uh, um, I don't know, I part of me is kind of thinking like if I could get some cash flow from the DVDs or something like that maybe I can you know have a better way of paying assistance or something but um and be able to afford to buy uh, uh, land um so uh, um I guess I- I'm mentioning this part and seeing if other people want to like step in and try and help with projects or if somebody wants to try and be my paid assistant and I guess I could drive you off too um uh, uh, I, I do kind of feel like I'm I'm ready to have like 50 employees, although I definitely I don't I can't afford even one really. Um, but I, I I do feel like it's a possibility that there are people out there that um, are like me, and and in that it's it's like I have to do this. This is something that just needs to be done. And um, for me, I, I quit my day job because I just felt like I needed I needed to do this and and it was I think I was uh, getting interviewed and and I'm sure it's like a podcast the pantry Puritas podcast maybe and uh, where I was asked it was the second time in one day where I was asked why do I do this why do I go and, and gather information and push it out there and not get paid and uh, my it was, that, when I was asked this the first time I didn't have a good answer, but the second time I thought I had a really good answer and that was that um it's like I have a I have a cure for cancer, I know what it is, and all I have to do is convince people of it. And so if I can use my words and use my brain just right, I can save a million lives. Um and so what do you do? do you, if, if you if you think that you're, you've got this information and you've got this in your head, do you stay at home and watch television and um, become interested in sports? And I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, what do people normally do in their day-to-day lives. Uh, go to the beach. Uh, go on vacations. um get a job and earn money uh, you know or or do you know do you try and and find a way to, to push this message out how do you find a way to to get this into as many brains as possible and um, and so I, I don't know I think I have probably a few hundred strategies that I exercise all the time to try and reach a few more people and get it into a few more brains and and it's like, okay, well, um, I think the tiny houses thing is an aspect, and I want to push the tiny houses thing. And when people learn about the tiny houses, I'll use the word permaculture. And then they'll, like, eventually come and start looking at my other permaculture stuff. And then next thing you know, they're drawing the same conclusions that I draw. And and then now they get it, and, and now they don't get cancer. And, uh uh, or, you know, you'll find somebody who has cancer, and, I, and I'll mention my, my cancer stuff. Somebody on Facebook uh, posted a thing on my Facebook personal page. And I have to admit, I, I barely understand how to do anything on Facebook. But there was my patient that says, my friend has cancer, and uh, I, want, I want everybody to do a shout-out on Permies to, like, help my friend. So that my friend won't have cancer. And I kind of felt like, well, if you're posting on my thing, you, you know about my resources already, right? And um, I think what they wanted me to do was to contact the friend and say, stop having cancer, and here's how. Uh, but I kind of feel like in the past when I've been in a conversation with somebody who currently has cancer, but they have no idea about me or about permaculture or any of that kind of stuff, that when I say, okay, I've got some stuff where I know people have beaten cancer through nutrition and herbs. And they, you know, through it's stage four cancer and it's gone. And, um, and they kind of give me that look of like I'm being polite and um, I think what you're doing is terrible by trying to give people false hopes. Uh, and so then I, so now what I do is I, I make the information available and it's up to others to share the information, hopefully. And I think the thing to do is to share the information with people before they get cancer. Because if you share it with them when they have cancer, they're freaked out and scared they're going to die. And it's fear tactics that are what are used to, um... Try and get you to pay for surgery that you don't need and the chemo and all that stuff. And so, in fact, uh, Helen called me not long ago, and and she had gone back to the doctors because uh, uh, she wanted because she felt fine, she felt awesome, Lumpy was gone, and and she, so basically, what she wanted was the documented proof that Lumpy was gone. And so all they could find was Ghost of Lumpy. So there's this spot where Lumpy used to be. And they could verify that it's, it's you know, nothing to be afraid of. But they found a, a new spot the size of a BB. And they really worked hard to try and convince her that it was indeed cancer. And they should do a biopsy. And they should do all these other things. And it's, it's like, um, uh, you know, suddenly surgery and and chemo and stuff is being thrown around and and it's like it's just fear 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 they're trying to freak her out and and they actually threw out the word death and and it's kind of like um I you know they've I I cannot to me when she told me this I just kind of thought to myself that's because they're in business it's a business and and the, the really disgusting thing is it flies under non-profit but what they really want is profit and I remember this particular hospital that she was at I remember that I had stepped in there once about 20 years ago and it was this wing that had been built one year before and, then, and so then I'm in this area that's one year old and it's under construction and I asked well what's going on here and they said oh um they didn't like the carpet, so they're ripping out the carpet. And, of course, everything in this building, in this wing, in the entire building, is all freakishly expensive. And, and it's kind of like, of course, it's paid for by unnecessary surgeries. Um, and, and I'm just kind of thinking, like, this is, this is an indicator of how they charge far too much money for what they do here. And, uh, and now they're, they, they're, they're replacing the carpet and it's only one year old. Um, and, and it's kind of like, uh, uh, apparently... And, and I kind of think, too, that it's like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if the average Missoula home gets their carpet replaced every year because it's like you want to have a new look. Anyway, it boils down to it's, it's a business. And their business is, is getting people put under the knife, um, and they gotta convince people to go for it. So, um, and now here in Montana, they changed some laws recently about health insurance and whatnot, and it's just kind of like um, people are being uh, suckered into going in and getting unnecessary surgery and and getting all kinds of stuff done, which will get you. And they don't they don't want you to get rid of your cancer, what they want is they want you to have cancer five times. That way they can make five times more money. And, um, and part of that is the risk that you might, you know, die of cancer. And so they don't, they don't want to cure it. They want to postpone it. They want it to keep coming back. Um, because then they, they make more money. They've got a, a profit motive. Um, so, uh, very difficult. I mean, it's a little bit like when you go into your mechanic and you go to get your car fixed and then when you get your car back, something else is broken. And you got to kind of wonder, did the mechanic do something? Did they make this other thing be broken while it was in there? So that way, I have to like get it fixed too. So, um, all right, so I've I've got some issues in this space, and I've got you know when you start going into the healthcare industry, I've, I've got some very radical theories, which um, I think no one wants to hear. Um, but I think I think that's probably enough for one podcast. <laughs> enough little bits and bobs and rants and me talking to myself. And and as always, I'm mystified that people actually listen to a podcast where I just sit here and talk to myself. So. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permes.com, where I'm going to hopefully not ban you. (laughs) And we talk about homesteading and permaculture all the time.